1: the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, AKA Blender at Blender HD. You're going to follow me on Twitter and it's Monday. So you know what we do on Mondays? We bring in James McCool, the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports, It's 15 hour audio DFS masterclass that you can pick up at theory of DFS.com. Mondays with McCool rise and shine. Everyone in the chat room. I see Sufi sings here. Usual Played a five-three Philadelphia Atlantic stack on Sunday and scored only thirty-four points. I didn't try to play on Sunday, but uh, but uh, get him again today. Doug Montgomery's here. Happy Happy Monday. Good morning. Good morning, Matt Mears. Daniel Hutchins, nerdy tenor, in the chat joining us as well. I, 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 Sundays, I am not playing anymore. I mean, pretty much Sunday, unless there is going to be NFL uh, or, or soccer or something. Probably not, but uh, but James, I did play on uh, on, on Saturday night mma was a pay-per-view card and uh it was the first round of the mma world championship whatever the hell yeah so like like so what they're doing for mma obviously they they uh don't want to spend that much money on a live final for for mma so they're not not having a hundred people there and they're plus ones and renting out a huge place or all that type of stuff so there were qualifiers into a for 70 qualifiers and then in round one, which was on Saturday, they're going to knock down seventy to thirty. And then on the next pay-per-view card on July second, they're going to knock thirty down to ten. And then those ten go to Dallas for UFC two seventy-seven and whatever they do that weekend and whatever you know you get the the trip and the whatever and whatever the hell they do. Uh, obviously, I, I I put in you know to qualify. I got one I got one entry. And, uh, cause I mean, I, I'll, take shots sometimes. I know I'm not a live final person, but it's like, I, I, I think I have an edge in MMA. Why don't I, why don't I take some shots at MMA? And, uh, so in this, in this, in this past round, the uh, top 30 advanced. And I sort of advanced. So
2: uh, what I,
1: what I, what I did, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain, I'll explain the, the, the journey to this, uh, Basically, it was a six-way tie for 27th, so that's 32 people, and it's not. And apparently, it's not like golf, where it's like top 30 and ties. It's like no, it's just the mm-hmm. top 30. So they will be running neck this coming card on a fight night card, a six-man tiebreaker, top mm-hmm. four go yeah. to go to the top the 30, and uh, I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if they have to run another, another tiebreaker also after that just by the fact of what type of lineup that all six of us played it's it it wouldn't completely shock me james it wouldn't be not so shocking if all six of us had the same lineup on saturday (laughs) now why what now james why would that be a case i was actually kind of shocked that out of the 70 competitors and it's 70 entries some people have multiple entries yeah. I was kind I was a little bit shocked that this lineup only was a 6-way tie. Like only 6 people had it. Yeah. I was expecting more. Because this lineup was the highest cumulative ownership lineup with the highest money line value <laughs> that stacked one of the two round fights. Okay? what I was saying, th- James, this is, this is, uh, and I had a conversation with someone else that was in actually pimple popper MD. I was ha- I had a conversation with, uh, cause he's in there also, uh, about whether or not to play this line. Cause like, basically we both said like, this seems like the obvious, like highest floor money line value ownership lineup, like in a contest where it's a functionally a double. up, Right top 30 out of seventy. right? It's not a 50, 50. That would be 35 out of 70, 30 out of 70. So your goal is to just optimize for the, to get beat half the field pretty much. And in MMA DFS, it's typically stacking the main event. And then that the four fighters combined that have the best line value for their price. Mm-hmm. If like the pricing comes out on Sunday night or Monday, and then the lines move, And a fighter that, you know, was originally minus 115 is now minus 160 at 8,200. It's like, okay, they should be 8,600. Steve Garcia was uh, was 8,300, 8,400. He ended up as a minus 180 favorite. Liang Na ended up as the favorite in this fight, even though she lost. She was originally lined as the underdog plus 130. So that's why she was 7,600. And then Shevchenko was the hugest favorite on the slate. And then Prochaska and Tagera was the main event. And like that's that's a very simple way, and also it's the most owned lineup. Like V. Mm-hmm. the problem with this lineup for GPP purposes is that you can't have six winners in your lineup because you're stacking the main event. There's a very outlier main event that the loser scored 106 points, but typically that won't happen. But you're guaranteeing yourself getting the winner of the main event, which is typically a hundred plus point score, and then typically you need four winners. To, to, to win in a double, typically. Some, sometimes, sometimes it's lower, sometimes it's higher. But if you can get four wins, no matter really even what the score is, even a 70-point win, so you could typically survive one loser. Mm-hmm. In a, you, could t- you could survive four, two losers, right? With one of them being the main event loser because you have both of them in your lineup. Because of Tejera outperforming as a loser, because that was a five-round fight with tons of action, Like this lineup after Garcia not lost at huge ownership. I was like, I'm I'm dead. (laughs) Right. But the thing is, in these types of contests, like I was shocked to see so few people play this type of lineup. Uh, I saw some people stack the other fight, the Shevchenko-Santos fight, Mm -hmm. which I got also because that fight was more likely to go longer. So, Santos, even in a loss, may score 40 or 50 points, and that there's right, you're not looking to get coming first. But it was kind of shocking to see that because it seems like a lot, a lot of the people that were in this contest, or I, I this is what this is my, my assumption is James, that a lot of people in this contest are more GPP oriented players that don't play cash games in mm-hmm. MMA. And it's not like I really play cash games in MMA, but I play cash games in other sports. And A lot of them played it like it was a GPP, but that kind of, you failed the fundamental conceptual differences between cash games and GPPs.
2: I absolutely love these formats. I love when DraftKings runs this kind of stuff because it is, it's a hybrid contest, right? Where like the first three runs of it, if it's like four iterations, first three runs are cash games where you're just like beat half the field, go on to the next one because because you don't win anything win anything by taking first in this one it doesn't matter so get through get through get through and if you have multiple lineups you know like i know that uh the brian Jester's he had how, how many entries he had in this i like know he he had, had at least four. yeah so he has four and then there's that other layer of like oh well am i just gonna play am i gonna run a train of four of the same lineup and push that across or am i gonna try to diversify and just try to get a couple across like I think these formats are really, really cool, and they do like like you said. There's, there's, you have to employ the fundamental difference between a cash game lineup and a GPP lineup in order to succeed. I, I think that these contests are brilliant. I think they're awesome.
1: Right, because the first round is functionally a double up, the second round is functionally a triple up, mm-hmm. and the third and the, the final is a ten man GPP, a ten man yep. progressive payout structure contest. The point is, is that whenever you look at a contest, okay. I know it's saying cash games versus GPPs, but it's really progressive payout formats, payout structures, and non-progressive payout structures or less progressive. Because progressive means 10th gets 10,000, 9th gets 20,000. It goes up. And typically in large field GPPs, any GPP, it's a hockey stick kind of type of thing. Once you get to the 10th, it kind of goes up, 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 up. But what is the, What does the distribution look like for a double up? It's zero, and then a big, and then a step, and then it's ten dollars, and then it's ten dollars all the way to the. There's, there's no more progression anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to weigh the upside versus downside in the contests that you play. So, in a cat, in a cash game set, in a double up setting, which is what this contest is, what does leverage gain you? Hardly okay. anything. Hardly anything. What by having more leverage, where's the downside? Like, what's the upside risk versus the downside risk? So, like in GPPs in a progressive payout structure, you want leverage, you want to be different, right? You want to sacrifice projection, you want to sacrifice win probability of the fighters. And yeah, because if if you if you if Na is 65% owned and you play Silvana Gomez Juarez her opponent at whatever, you know, 8%, whatever she was. In this contest, she was 7%. So that difference, 65 versus 7. If you're right, how how much more do you win? Well, coming in first, this person that came in first didn't win any more than the person that came in 26, at least.
2: I was going to say, especially in this contest, literally nothing more. Right. Nothing
1: more. Okay, but what happens... If Na wins, and like let's say the scores are reversed. I'm using this person as an example. I'm not looking to call people, I don't even know who this is. Uh, but if you take a look, Gomez Warrior scored 10360. Na scored 1.87 because the fight ended at, at, at 60 seconds in, whatever. Uh, let's say that score was reversed. Let's say Na got a submission, first round, whatever, and and Gomez Juarez scored two points and Na scored 103. Well, that's a 100 point difference up and down of your score. So this guy would have scored 540 instead, right? And then 65% of the lineups in the the contest have an extra 100 points. Well, look at my lineup, which was tied for 27th. If I had 100 more points in my lineup because of Na, I would end up with 558. He would lose hundred points and end up with five Wouldn't to qualify came in past. Wouldn't to come in the top 30. So what was the point of this? Like what, like, like if one of these things, if a 65% on fighter wins and you have their opponent at 7%, what They're happens dead. when you're right? Oh, you come in first in a contest that you only need to come in the top 30. What happens when you're wrong? You're dead. Like you, okay. you, you, 65% of your opponents have 100 points that you do not have, right? And then he also played Mahashate, 4% owned against the second highest owned non-main event fighter on the slate, right? You look at my lineup for line values, 52%. So if either of them, let's say, if either of them win and put up, let's say the scores are reversed, if Garcia would have won instead of Machate, he's dead. And if Machate wins, he comes in first, which is no different than 26th. So it's not a matter of like, well, what happens if he gets one of them right? He's still dead because the other one is still the 50% of the field have, have those points that he doesn't have. Now, in GPPs, this is exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? I that's the that's whole a concept great of Right. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> But the difference between coming in 30th and coming in first doesn't mean anything. So when people wanna want to play different for contests with these types of structures, the, you have so much downside and not that much upside. And now on yeah. the other hand, on in GPPs, if you were to play this line, like this lineup, if you were to play this in, in literally any GPP, like I'm not even talking about the large field. Like if you played at hundred man, if this was a 70-man contest that was progressively paid out, this would be the worst lineup that you could make. Yeah. Like, it's literally the worst. Li- I would look at this contest and go, if you paid, you know, it's $100,000 a first and just like it was a live final, like, I, you would be dumb. You'd be an idiot to play this lineup, right? The most owned lineup with a stack. You can't get six wins. Like, there's no chance you would. Yeah. And that's only the byproduct of the payout structure. Yep.
2: Yeah, there's a reason why whenever anybody asks, because I I get asked specifically in NFL season, right? I'll get asked like, oh, well, you know, what do you do for cash games? I'm like, I literally play the highest owned possible lineup that I can find. Like the highest cumulative ownership lineup. You don't even need projections to build cash games for most sports. well, you need
1: ownership projections.
2: You need ownership projections. You don't need performance projections. Like you don't need to be able to project uh, like the performance of a player in order to do well in cash games. You, you literally just need to say what is the highest possible own lineup that I can make. And sometimes that's a little bit harder, right? Like in NFL, it's really easy, I think. And, um, in NBA, it's pretty easy. In baseball, it's really, really hard to, to do it because ownership is pretty spread out. But like in NFL, NBA, where there's a lot of ownership condensation on specific players, and like you can kind of figure out, oh, well, this is going to be the lineup. You have like six guys out of the lineup that are like, th- these guys are going to be owned. There's a 3K player who's starting in NBA. He's going to be there. You know, there's Giannis, who's the only stud on the slate. He's going to be there. You can pretty much look out six guys. And the rest was just plug and play. Based on, you know, whatever. Uh, but you don't you don't need to be able to project players, you just need to be able to project ownership. And the reason for that is this lineup that you played with a 65%, a 52%, a 51%, an 87%, and a 62%, right? Like if all of those guys do badly it is still 60% of the field that has those guys. There's still even a chance if all of those guys lose of you coming close to the cash line, cash right. line with your last
1: guy. Right. It's quite possible this lineup. I mean, I, I, I could, I could probably do some type of simulation. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's no. possible that if, if to share a one, with hundred point, like he won early in the first round at at thirty four percent owned, and then that means Przashka lost. If Shevchenko lost to Santos, if Della Madalena lost to Emiev, and Garcia and Na lost to, to to their opponents, that this lineup with Tejera's score still comes in the top 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 thirty. It's, it's, it's still it's still possible because not many people have the opponents of all of these. Like Santos would be the problem because Santos is 25% owned, but like MEV is like, all these guys are single digit owned and most of them are not in the same lineups as mm-hmm. people. So it's like, dude, there are going to be a lot of lineups that literally only have one winner.
2: Yep. So think Just about have
1: one winner. And then you have the highest scoring winner.
2: Yeah. There you go. That now you're qualified. And right. the
1: only because of, uh, of the sharing of like, this goes back to in the theory of daily fantasy sports, the fundamental concept of relative value mm-hmm. which is a term mm-hmm. i made up just to, just how much value a player has to your lineup is not just a byproduct of the points they score but on the ownership by what how many people in the field have those points also so by doing that in a, in a contest where you do not get rewarded progressively there's no there's there's no downside. Like having points that other people have is not is not bad.
2: No, it's functionally a good thing in cash games.
1: Right, it's like func- you, it's functionally a lo- lower variance thing. Like if if the the opposite. Sometimes people think the opposite. Sometimes I hear people sometimes in cash games, and this happens more at the higher stakes. Like when you mentioned play the highest own lineup, that's something that probably is profitable. I, I'm almost definitely profitable at low stakes.
2: It is. Yeah, it is. Anything At high, sta- at
1: high stakes, it is. I can tell you no, that. I that. I believe that. Right. Because high stakes, people, ne- like, uh, you're looking to exploit people that play these types of lineups because okay. it's like, well, this is the highest on lineup, but I don't agree with necessarily with this guy being a little bit higher than that guy. I think my lineup with the 2v2 wins more often than this lineup based on projection, based on some... Me- correlation differences or whatever like that uh that you'd rather play that lineup and if you're going to go in and you're going to constantly play this type of lineup in the high stakes you're going to get beat by better better players you're not you're not going to lose that much right it's not like it's the type of thing where are oh, you going to get crushed it's like no right. you're just going to lose out to the rake
2: well, and the big thing that I always, I, I always explain it like this. When you build a lineup that is looking to maximize cumulative ownership and you can even, even optimize on ownership if you want to. I used to do that. The, the reason why you're doing it in, in cash games and specifically in like the larger sports, because you, you do it for the main sports. You don't really do it for the niche sports, but for NBA, NFL, MLB, stuff like that. The reason why it works is because if you are on, if, if you're on an ownership that has a cumulative ownership around, or if you're on a lineup that has a cumulative ownership of around 50% on average, something like this lineup, right. Where you have one guy under 50% owned here. That means that it is no longer on you to be right. It's on the people who faded the high owned players to be right. So like it completely removes you from the equation of caching at this point, they have to prove that they are smarter than the field. They're smarter than the cumulative ownership lineup and they are able to choose underdogs, right? Like lower owned players. They're able to hit on their underdogs more often than the favorites. So that that's the entire thesis behind why you play high cumulative ownership lineups and cash games um, in the large sports. And I agree that in high stakes stuff, you know, if you're playing two fifties or five hundreds or thousand dollar head to heads or whatever, you're constantly going up against people who are in, doing like blender if i play you in high stakes for a month right like you're going to notice the trends of the way that i'm building lineups in the same way that you said for this contest like the the people who you played against who you duped with your lineup you said that you wouldn't be surprised if there was another large tie in the in a tiebreaker, a tie-breaker.
1: because anyone that's building lineups this way is most likely because what's going to happen go again. right they're probably like James, gonna go what's, again. it's going to be a game of chicken I, I'm, ass, I'm assuming, I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the card coming up. It's a 14 fight card. So they're, they're, there's more likelihood of being, you know, maybe, maybe there's a two V two that is close or something like that, that we won't get some line value moves, but like, it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's thinking in terms of anyone that built their lineups this way for this contest is most likely thinking in those terms for the next contest and it becomes a chicken game
2: yeah of like uh, do i want to do this again and risk getting duped or do i want to be different and risk not getting duped yeah, i love but that, that
1: but when you're paying for it when you're advancing four and a six like this is this this is i i mentioned the conversation i had with pimple popper i don't know his real name i'll call him pimple popper anyway. Whatever. Yeah. he's a dermatologist that's why he's called that uh when i when i saw that that was like that was to me, the obvious lineup, if you were going to play like a cash game lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said, I, I emailed my DK VIP person who never even got back, to me, but someone, but someone from support got back to pimple popper. And I said, well, what happens if there's a I I just wanted to know, I assumed that more likely than not, we, you'd advance on a tie, right? I, I, But I didn't know. Maybe they'd be like, "Well, if there's a tie for 30th, we're just it's not like golf, top 30 in ties." You'd look and they'd go, "Oh, 27th place was tied too many times. We're just going to cut it off at 26, right?" So if the if the ties didn't qualify, I wanted to know that, and I wanted to know what happened with the with the if all the ties. Let's say they said all the ties qualify. Well, that means if, if if I think this lineup, which I don't have up on the screen, if I think this lineup uh is going to be duped no matter how many times i think it's going to be duped i should be more likely to play it because as long yeah. as as long as one of our of the of the train of people that played the lineup hits 30th pl- place i advance mm-hmm. right so even if it's a 30th through 55th place we're all going we're, we're all going around too right yeah. now if it's you didn't then I'd be like, now now I'm more likely to not play this lineup. Now it's yeah. like, okay, maybe I play a very similar lineup, but I just change one guy. I go, yeah. well, I'm not gonna play t- I'm not gonna stack the main event. I'm just gonna play one of them and play Coon or something, and play whatever, someone else. So I could get six wins. Uh, if they told me about the tiebreaker thing, I probably would have still played this, this lineup. Now the thing is, is that now that we know that six people played it and four advanced that becomes even better than a double up style contest. So mm-hmm. what, what incentive do I have to not play the, the line value optimal lineup with the, with the, with the, with the main event stack? Like what, yeah. like it, if you differ from that four out of six and are wrong. And let's say the other, let's say an exaggeration. Let's say you knew that if I, if I knew that my five opponents, were going to play that lineup. Exactly. Let's say I knew that exactly. Like if I played that lineup, then basically DraftKings is forced to run another tiebreaker the following week. But if I differ even by one and I'm right, I advance and then they have to play a four out of five tiebreaker. If I'm eventually,
2: wrong. Eventually with this, with this, it goes down to the path of somebody else. Like you, you did it first. And then now it's a best four out of five the next week, and then somebody else does it, and then there's no reason to do anything else, because as long as two people lose, right? As
1: long as one person deviates, Mm -hmm. and then they both lose, Mm -hmm. right? But I'm saying, but this would be much different. For instance, if let's say we all tied for 30, and it's now a six-man tiebreaker with the only one going through. Now, now, now I don't have now none of this dynamic works anymore because. No one would be playing like it goes from at four out of six advancing. Is everyone going to play this lineup to, if one out of six advances that no one would dare play this line. It goes that mm-hmm. dramatically, even if it was top two out of six, I would probably not play mm-hmm. a stacked lineup. I would probably play a line value lo- lineup that only played one main event fighter. Yeah. And just let's see if I, I want to be able to get six wins type mm-hmm. of lineup and then if people are stacking then so be it but like let's say it was five out of six like what what do i gain by not playing the lineup that dude i hope they're I'm, i almost if if they were paying four five out of six advance i'd almost hope i was duped yeah right to me you would i would want,
2: you'd want one person to be the odd man out right and try to do that
1: right because what's the worst case scenario in that scenario like let's say five five out of six, to use the extreme example, five out of six advance, and one person deviates. And I play the lineup with four other people that play the same line, okay? So look, from my point of view, if that if that person uh, has a better lineup than the five of us, he goes through and then we play a best three out of five, right, because there's, there's four spots. We play a best three out of five uh in the better case scenario all five of us go through to another tiebreaker four out of five and that guy that guy goes that like in either way like it's it comes down to am i going to be playing next week three out of five or four out of five that's that those are the only two two options there but the person that deviates is you're either going to go through on everyone to round three to round two or are you going to are you going to drop off? yep but the 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 difference between moving on is not—is it worth that risk? I don't. I don't, to me personally, I don't think so. it's not. It's not. Prog- it's not progressively paid out enough that it's worth the risk. Yet, if it was a one out of six, then if it was, if what they I, do, you think what they should do is? I'm trying to think of is there a way for them to run like one. Like a head-to-head matrix or.
2: Like March Madness, but for a qualifier ticket.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like there's going to be two more cards and they, uh, uh, and they run, no, run two, three mans. No, that's, I think that would be better. They, they randomly put, I mean, you have to randomly put two, three mans. hmm or or no, no, or run the six, or no, this is what no, no, I think this is what they should do. If 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 they want if they wanted to, to make sure that there weren't going to be a million ties in six ties, run the six man, have first only the first place qualify or the first two spots, make it the only two spots go to round three and do it two weeks in a row. And to do it two weeks in a row, right. And then those two go through. And then the following week, you have, and no, two go through, and the bottom leaves. Yeah. And something like that. And then you or and then you run a head to head or a three man for the last, but like s- some combination of the two where you're not when when you're offering some more incentive to come in past the 50th percentile.
2: Yeah, because right now all it is, like, e- even me, I'm, I'm super accepting of risk in GPPs. And, like, the way that I even play contests like this, um, I still, like, I I make assumptions about the way that I need to be playing pretty heavily. But even me, I would be like, yeah, dupe me, bro. <laughs> just,
1: yeah, go just, for just,
2: it. Yeah, Daniel Hutchins
1: in the chat says, I mean, he's he, he backing me up. I mean, I essentially explained what he just said. With four out of six advancing uses, you, you lose two-thirds of your equity when you lose. So it'd be crazy to deviate from the option.
2: Yeah, there, there's just no way. I there, there's no way. Um, I, I think that's why that, I said it's uh, not
1: it will not be nuts. I, I maybe I should ask. Maybe I I, I or, or get Pimple Popper to ask, he got a response of what happens if they run a tiebreaker and we all sell cigars on the tie twice and they do it the next week. Like, what are you gonna do? Right.
0: All right, at, at, at you have to point. put us
1: in round. Two. I mean, what? I mean, what? They should have thought of this before. I mean, you have to think of this. But I mean, if you played DFS, you'd have to think of this beforehand.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how many people are playing DFS on on that side. But um, I, I mean, I digress. Uh, I think that the the most elegant solution to it, I think, is the um, the top two advance, the middle two go on to a head to head, and the last two are done. Out.
1: Yeah, no, there's four spots. The there's four spots.
2: Okay, so so the top two advance, uh, the middle, f- and then the next three advance for the next one, and then the last I one. Mean, three prob- I mean, you get that
1: same problem. I think I think you still get the same problem.
2: Yeah, there's there's not really a good solution here.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think I think it would be better if three out of six, like instead of making it four out of six advance, you make three out of six advance, and then the last three. Oh yeah, and then,
2: okay, yeah, yeah. So you'll you'll do so for this this next week for the first one, you would play a double up, right? right. You play fifty. Play 50. a 50-50. Yeah, you'd play 50-50. and then the next week you would play a triple up, and you play a that's three right. man, and then the winner would then that that that's, that's best. That's right. That's right. See, but
1: doing. even in a 50-50, I mean, then you st- you're still more likely to play.
2: I'm still playing. I, all, all we
1: have to do is hope, <laughs> or they or DraftKings has to hope. That the card the card coming up has fourteen fights, and the line value optimal lineup doesn't isn't like they basically have to
2: hope that like there's no really weird like line switching like that right. they have to hope that there's no line flip right right exa-
1: this past card it just it was it was a weird card with number one you have two five round fights mm-hmm. only eleven fights on the card right. A lot of times when you have two five-rounders, we're playing a 14-15 fight card, mm. right? So it's 11, 11 fights on the card. Two of them are five-rounders uh, and uh, four of the fights offered where there were there were two fights where the underdog literally turned into the favorite and then two favorites that turned into even much bigger favorites than they, sh- based on their price. So it's like, who are you playing in your lineup other than these these like, like you're not playing any of these people
2: other than those a,
1: people?
2: Can I ask you a question really quick? Sure. For for Now, right? Like for the for the underdog to turn to a favorite. Um, how many points of ownership do you think that that added to her in the large field? So she was she forty two percent owned in in the large field contest. How much do you think that her going from an underdog to a favorite added in ownership? Do you think it was like ten to forty? No, meaning it was, she would have she been was, ten. She, to 10 dude, owned?
1: dude, she was she was gonna she was gonna be high owned even if she was an underdog.
2: That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. How how much it, do you it, think it, it didn't affect? Her her no, it
1: didn't I had her as under owned even at that number? Oh okay,
2: okay, yeah. That, that's what I'm asking because I'm trying to.
1: She's tech, she, ended, she, ended up, she ended up technically $600 underpriced, which is insane for MMA DFS. And yeah. it's not only that her money line moved, she was like plus 170 inside the distance yeah, as a yeah, dog. Not, yeah. Like that, yeah, that, yeah. that fight, that female fight, was the most likely as likely to finish inside the distance as the main event whichever yeah. which lasted five rounds but everyone thought that would be over quick so it's like that fight was like if if you switched the pricing on the fighters like completely where nah was 8600 and Gomez Juárez was 7600 mm-hmm. at closing they both would have been efficiently owned okay right now would not at 8600. She would have been like probably like 18% owned. And Gomez Juarez, who had a plus 180 inside the distance line, also, probably would have been like 29, 30% on because of the price difference. So, like even at 40% owned in large field GPP, I'd I'd more of her because she was the most underpriced, she was underowned. Because yeah. it's not just not for cash games, like you care more about the money line win probability than the, than the scoring mm-hmm. probability. But in GPPs, you, you care more about it's. It's not. It's if if there, if it's a fight, like for instance, the the Whaley uh, Joanna your J check fight. Yeah, that line moved also. Whaley opened at like minus one ninety, and she came. She closed at like minus one sixty, and mm-hmm. at eighty eight hundred, like Whaley's inside the distance was three forty, and Joanna was like eight hundred. Like that fight was the most likely to go the distance, which it didn't, and okay. ended in round two. Uh Yo, but Joanna. So Joanna was the line value like at seventy four hundred, but she was only owned like twenty three percent. She wasn't owned like thirty five percent. Why? Because her inside the distance line is is poor. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, Joanna wins and scores seventy five points. Like for GPPs. That's just not probably not going to be good enough. But for cash games, that's fine. So, like, if you were to play Joanna in cash games for the line value and the likelihood of going the distance, I I got I completely got that.
2: Sure. Yeah. But in
1: GPP, you're not going to see the ownership go as far based on that money line move because the 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 inside the distance lines are are poor for the fight to begin with. Mm -hmm. It just so happened in the Na fight, like she flipped to be the favorite and. She had like a, the fourth a, highest yeah. ITD line on the entire slate to begin with, even if she was the underdog.
2: Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I'm just, that's, I, I'm trying to, to take an info on that for, for building up ownership on my own because I I don't, as usual, I am challenging myself to do something that I have not done before. Uh, and I'm taking like a couple different baseline stuff. I'm aggregating from only a couple sources, not a whole bunch, but then also trying to apply a bunch of globals to it to to make it work. Um, I, the, the main one that I whiffed on, I think was, who did I have projected high that just was not, I think it was Jake Matthews. I don't yeah, know, I think anyway.
1: People over projected his ownership.
2: Yeah, well, it was... I, I, had him at
1: like, I had him at, like, 22.
2: I had him as a bad play, but... No, he, cl- no, no, no. Oh, he closed no, no, the only favorite. Because, no, only because I was projecting his ownership so high. I mean, like, I, I had him projected as a bad leverage play because oh. I had his ownership projected too high. So, like, that's, that, that's kind of the hard thing, I think, algorithmically, is sometimes you have these guys who, like, at 7,700, and as the favorite, like... He's probably a pretty good play from like a very general point of view, but if you right. project him at thirty-seven percent ownership, it's like yeah, then
1: bet. It's the same thing for Jack Della Madalena. Like I thought, yeah. fine for cash. His line moved so much, but the inside the distance line, and at thirty-nine percent ownership, mm-hmm. his hundred-plus point probability wasn't high enough to warrant that. Of course, he got there, but yeah, that's probabilities.
2: Yeah, and and I had him under. Projected. I had him projected twenty seven percent. So I'm just I'm just trying to to get that teed in. Like I said before, um, I, I feel that I was directionally right, but I was not accurate enough for sure. Right.
1: I also did a thread yesterday on Twitter, going through the lineups on an eleven fight card. Uh, there were lineups. There were they were they there were several lineups that were duplicated over two hundred times. They were they were like. 2.2% of the total entries in the contest that's were duplicated a 200 lot.
2: That is a lot of the field. That's a
1: lot. 7.6% of the field were lineups that were duplicated 100 plus times.
2: How many times, Jordan, have we said that there's a lot of dead money in the large field contests? Yeah. And th- this is what we mean. These lineups, this is 10% of the field. Nearly 10% of the field, those are dead lineups. Those those are just bad.
1: Uh, For all intents and purposes, it's – I I don't believe – I mean, I haven't run – I do not believe there's any lineup that is duplicated more than 20 times that can be profitable.
2: Profitable in a short-term or long-term? Yeah, long, okay.
1: I'm not yeah. talking about long. I'm talking about from an EV perspective. I'm not well, saying, yeah, that. you played one lineup and you, and you, you split and you got $8,000. Yeah, of course you could be profitable in one slate, but mm-hmm. playing lineups that are duplicated 20 times. I don't know if you could find one that if you simulated it out, that you would be profitable.
2: No, okay. no, I, the, the, the payouts are not flat enough. You're, you're just going to get eaten alive by Right.
1: right. Now, no, that exists for lineups that are duplicated 10 times and five times also, but at 20, I almost see, like, if you told me that this lineup was going to be duplicated 20 times, I would just exit it. There's no chance. I mean, I consider those to be complete mistakes, mm-hmm. okay? 33.8% of the contest was lineups that were duplicated 20 times.
2: So even if we are to say, okay, maybe there's a feasible lineup, Duke 20 times, it can be profitable long-term. Let's just give the benefit of the doubt.
1: Right, maybe.
2: We're just... Think. We're just saying that lineups duped 50 plus times are lineups that are just completely. Right, we say 50 We're is 50 the cutoff off. That, that
1: covers the more than the rake.
2: That is more than the rake enlarge. Right. You're, you're playing rake free so long as your lineup is not duped 50 plus times you're right. playing rake free. Right. And, but- and if, if we are going to say 20 plus times, like you should be playing MMA DFS
1: always. I, I, I would say I would for this type of contest it's ten plus. I mean you could there are it depends on the slate, but even at like I gave the benefit of the doubt for twenty plus. I I think I think it's five. Truthfully, on most slates I think it's five plus. Right. I'm, I my my goal, making lineups is to make lineups that have high win probabilities that are duplicated less than five times. Like mm-hmm. That's my when I get uniques I get uniques, but my I. I prefer uniques that have high win probability, right? But I'll settle for two to four, right? The, the lineups that are due two, three, four times. I I don't I don't mind that. So I to me, yeah. to me, five plus anything past five, anything five or over. I'm I'm if I'm playing a lineup like that, it was it was because of a calculation error or a trimming error or something. I I don't mean to. They cut, Yeah, that's the cost of doing business. were duplicated five or more times because it's 11 fight card and it's hard. It's hard to be harder to be unique, but then I I go through this and uh, 31.9% of entries were duplicated under five five times. Obviously just 11.9% were unique about 70% of the entries total in the contest were 49.5 or more in salary but only 3.9% of them were unique. Look how drastic that is. Can can you find unique setter 495 plus? Yes. And they're to me they're they're valuable. But if you're not if you're going to go in, I mean I saw, I saw people building lineups saying, "Oh, I'm building five lineups for the large field gpp." And I look at their lineups, it's like 499 50,000 50,000 498 49 I'm like, "Why are you doing this?"
2: Right.
1: And then, then on top of it, like some of their lineups are like four of the chalkiest people on the slate, and I'm like, like what, what, what are you like trying one to of, accomplish?
2: One of, their, one of their five lineups is the one that you played in that live final
1: qualifier, right? Or, right? Something and you're like they're that. Like, they're
2: like, why are you playing this? You can't. You literally cannot place better than like thirtieth percentile. You you literally cannot place better than that with that lineup.
1: And then uh, what I did, James, is I I separated the hundred and fifty matches. OK, because we're, we're going to make a general. I'm not saying everyone that plays 150 lineups is good. OK, but on average, they're going to be the better players. I only played 100 in. So mine don't even count to that. So I just counted the 150. Maxers. That means
2: you're not a good player. You didn't not play 100. Right?
1: I'm not a good player. I'm sorry.
2: Uh,
1: th- the 150 maxers represented 32.9% of all lines in the contest, which is about about normal. Uh, so they had 10,800 entries out of, they had 56% of all the lineups on, with under five dupes. So they they represent a third of the field, but they have almost, they have more than half of the under fives and they have more than half of the uniques. Okay. So their unique percent, if you just took all of their lineups and how many percent of their lineups in total were unique. Nineteen percent were unique. The rest of the field combined was
2: eight point four percent.
1: It's and let me tell you, this includes some one hundred fifty maxers that are not that. That there, there was one one hundred fifty maxer that literally had zero lineups, zero uniques, and zero underfives. That sounds
2: nice.
1: yeah, and that's that's someone that if you simulate their outcomes is a very very unprofitable player.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And that comes from the psychology behind being a a loss aversion, right? Like if if people are playing in MMA DFS and they're like, oh, well, you know, I I only have five lineups, so I want to give myself a chance to cash.
1: This this applies, by the way, let, let me just cut you off for a second. This applies to any format that, has heavily heavily amount of duplication Mm -hmm. so we're talking about nba showdown nfl showdown small fields golf events got like league of legends like anything with very smaller player pools that you could choose from two game and uh, mlb slates classic Mm -hmm. two game nfl slate. i mean this this applied that the concept of uniqueness and how duplication dramatically affects your expected value doesn't just apply to mma It, it applies to every sport but in the very small, you know, classic slates or showdown slates or things like that, where you could obviously run into a lot of duplicates. So, so continue.
2: And it's, it's really important. Um, but the, this, is, this is people who are entering these contests and entering these large fields. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, I, I want to put together a lineup that gives me a chance to cash. And it's like, you're playing GPPs the wrong way, and, and the, the reason why people are playing GPPs the wrong way, like that, if you're pl- if you're not playing to win the GPP, if you're not playing to build, specifically speaking to MMA, if you're not built trying to build with lineups that are deep less than five times, if you're not trying to build lineups that have direct leverage over high high uh, leverage players and, and high owned players, if you are not building to win that contest you're killing your expected value over long-term. You're killing and that's your ROI. the you're, you're long-term.
1: Playing, you're playing
2: unprofitably. In the long run, you're,
1: you will You're lose playing
2: it. unprofitably, and, and that's the point that I'm trying to make, is that even if you cash in the short-term, even if you cash with a lineup that is duped 10-plus times, or even if you win a GPP with a lineup that is duped 30 times, that over the long-term, if you continue to play with that style, you're going to lose it all. Like you you will not be a profitable player long term. Uh, you have to be building in a way to where when things go your way, you make the most possible profit off of the lineups that you built. And that's why when, when Jordan is pointing these out, you know, the, the majority of the people who are one the majority of the 150 players, they had 56% of all their lineups duped under five and that's significantly more than the field. Right, It's because these people understand that when they're putting in these lineups, if they do not win, then their long-term value is shot. You have to be thinking the same way. Even if you only build one lineup, it it takes you 150 slates to get like 150 of those one lineups in. But you still have to be building in a way that is going to make it so if you win with that lineup or if you do well, that the the point is not to try to cash. The point is to win so that it makes it worthwhile when you actually do win. You're not going to win that often. Especially with one lineup, you have to make it count when you do end up hitting.
1: Right. I, I'm showing here, like with the salaries, like that's one way of trying to be unique. Like if you used all of your salary on Saturday, there were 6,861 800, 6, total lineups in the contest that used 50K. That's 21%. Out of that 20%, out of those 6,861, only 2% were unique. 2%. Okay. Now, if you could play, if you could only play those lineups, congratulations. Great job. I mean, great job. But if you're just saying as a bucket, like we use that marble example. I used it on the show before. All these buckets of marbles. It's like, okay, there's, there's 6,800 marbles in this, in this bucket, uh, but only uh, 100 of them are red marbles. And here's, here's a bucket uh, where there's 800 Lineups and two hundred are red marbles. Like it's easy. If I were to just grab into that bucket, just a handful, right? Grab ten in my hand. I'm more likely to grab uniques out of that, even though it's it's a smaller jar. I could see. I could even visibly see them, right? I could I could look and I go, oh yeah, there's there's two hundred red marbles there. I go to this this big bourbon barrel filled with 7,000 or so marbles and you go, yeah, there's about a hundred in there somewhere. Like you're probably looking, you're like, you may not even be able to see, but you have to look closely. If you're able to, if you're doing anything where you're able to go with your little fingers and go, I'm going to pick out just the red marbles. That's one thing. But if you're building, if you don't have any type of process like that and you're like, nope, I'm building 20 lineups. Let me just grab a handful. It's probably blunt, from a blunt process standpoint to just cut out any 50,000. Like just build in lineup HQ and just set the cap at 49.5 and just say, I'm not even gonna buy. Yes, there are some unique lineups up there, but most of them aren't. Most of them aren't under five. But once you get down to 49.4, half of these lineups are under fives. So at worst case scenario at random, if you set your cap on this past slate at 49-4 or below and you randomly built 20 lineups, on average, you'd have 10 that are under five. And you'd have two. You'd have what? Uh, 10. You'd have like two that were unique. And you'd end up with 10. And you'd end up with 10. Uh, you'd end up with eight that are over five, but not many, that only, only two or three that are over 20. So like, just from a perspective of that, of like, like if you're going to take a blunt approach to building lineups, and this is for NFL showdown, NBA showdown, this is for any, like I said, it's not just MMA, for any small kind of two-game NBA nights, night slates and MLB night slates, Thanksgiving night slates for NFL. I mean, whatever the playoff slates, who knows? right? Taking a look of how could I make more unique lineups or less duplicated lineups? Don't think in terms of, oh, I got to leave because I, 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 I lambast Neil sometimes on the Theory of DFS podcast of like setting hard caps too much because there are unique lineups up there and you're going to not lock yourself out. But if you don't have a process in order to do that, mm-hmm. then I understand why you're doing it more bluntly. Right, I used to do it more bluntly, and now I do it a little bit more nuanced. And still, I'm, and hell, still I miss plenty of times in doing that. But that's the difference between G. We spent an entire conversation today using MMA as the context, but like I said, it applies to everything. Of the difference between K, like we talked about James the first half of this this championship qualifier contest where we're playing chicken on trying to duplicate each other, literally trying to like going, is everyone to play this? I hope people, I hope, I hope two people don't play this lineup. Right. To now talking about when we're talking about a GPP where we're avoiding, we, we, we think duplication is like, like the worst thing in the world.
2: That's a cardinal sin.
1: Right. Where people put in this line, I could probably bring this up like a lineup. Let me, let me, let me, I, I'm not sure if de- typically people don't stack as the most on lineup, but I'm, I, I didn't actually look at what actually was the most duplicated lineup, but let me bring this up. Okay, so most duplicated lineups. Uh, So, yeah, so.
2: Oh, there's Malcun, yeah.
1: Fialio, oh, wow, Fialio was actually the most. He ended up being the underdog in that slate. So 265 times. This is, this is ridiculous. So he played the, the two main event favorites, Fialio, two other favorites, Nah, Malcoon, and that would fit in for 50,000.
2: Yeah. And then another 50,000.
1: Right. He's another 50,000, 231. An, it's 49.8. but it's still like, it's the highest on people. In it. It's the highest owned. I mean, but look, but look at these lineups. 226, 191, 180, 180, 161, 142, 137. Like, imagine, imagine. Uh, I believe, like, about the total, like, what's the total prize pool? Let's just say the total prize pool in these contests. What's the total? Uh, no, that's not the wrong contest. Like, it's like $350,000. Let's say we award $350,000 divided by 265 Uh one hundred and thirty-two dollars? Is oh no no three hundred fifty thousand. Okay, so if it splits three hundred fifty thousand, that lineup that's duplicated two hundred sixty-five times, you will get paid one thousand three hundred twenty bucks for winning 150000 hundred and fifty to first fifty thousand a first contest. Okay, if you play a lineup like the, down here the one twenty-seven, like that, you just pretty much double it twenty-seven fifty-five. You're paying the same price per entry as I am, as someone else is, and your max, the max upon upload, right? As of as of seven oh one p.m. Eastern, you're dead. Your your EV is just right. It's like you could look at your lineups and go, yeah, well, I, these are the guys that I got. If Malcoon wins, if whatever, like that, you're dreaming of your hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and then you're probably going, yeah, maybe it's duped a couple of times. And then it's duped 265 times, right?
2: And, but but what about when people win it, and then they go and they're like, "Yeah, I took it down with 265 my friends." And you're like, "Don't." So, you know don't what I call that? Show people that you're doing that to yourself,
1: right? I, I, I call that broadcasting right. your stupidity.
2: Yeah, don't do that.
1: Don't do that. Don't do that. But looking at uh, uh just to close this out, to go back to the 150 maxer thing, like take a look. I mean, typically guys like like Brian Jester, ET phone home, Dalladino are pretty good at finding uniques, right? And they yeah. like Dalladino was the highest amount of uniques, 98.
2: Hard like for unique.
1: 146 under fives, right? That that's good. I mean, you go you go down here. Like if you look at me. Right, but look at me: hundred entries, ninety-four under fives, twenty-nine. But like I said, I'm 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 my unique percentage was ninety-four percent. Right, look at all the people up here. I'm I'm towards the top of the under five percent range, under five percent. Right, I'm ninety-four. There aren't that many that have ninety plus. Right, I'm in the top ten of under fives for my hundred. Cause that's what I, that, that's what I'm optimizing for. So I know I'm going to be, I have less, less uniques. I know I, I'm, I'm perfectly aware of that, but then you go down some, like these are all some of the most profitable players in MMA DFS. You're looking through, I'm, I'm looking at reform Racer, squirrel we have squirrel patrol in here, right? Dark Look OCD, OCD, giant squid, right? Some going through pretty good
2: players there. Right? Pretty,
1: pretty good players on the MMM leaderboard. Right? Machlovin is a little bit closer to me. Right? Doesn't play as many. Right? lariota's here with a lot of under... Like, Lariotto... See, a lot of times Odo's up with the uniques. Mm-hmm. is kind of down there with me. Right? With the amount of under fives. Like, more under fives than uniques. We go Cybrit. Cy, Cerebrit. Very similar to me, also. More, more under fives than uniques. But still a ton of them then you know I, I maybe have to start calling out people <laughs> go down to so let, let's go by entry yeah cause we have to go by entries mm-hmm. right so 150 entries right so under five dupes and here's uniques so here's all these 150 maxes all these we start going down big t
0: oh, half no. and
1: half We've got oh, 71 no. out of 150 okay give them some credit right Right, there's some people like Sean Zandon didn't, didn't seem to do all that well. Shrek. But decently oh, enough. How many haven't. you need? Yeah. Play, I, go. I mean, because look yeah. at the salaries. The average salary is much higher.
2: Yeah.
1: Rick, same thing. But I mean, this is, this is okay. I'm for 11 fight card. Okay, I get it. Then you go down, there's some. I mean, when you go down to some, I mean. I mean, look, how do you have 150 lineups and only have four under fives? That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Under five, 11, three, 11, right? And some of these, some of these guys are pretty good, like, Buffoon, 13. I consider him a pretty good player, but on the slate, his average salary was 49, Nine, 20 under fives. I like, I, I, I can't see how that's, that's profitable long-term playing the 150 mm-hmm. lines, but normally on other slates, he'd be, he'd be towards the top. So, I mean, like. I don't know if there's an approach difference or just a mis- just plain out mistakes. There are plenty of times that just like Damn, I, I didn't I didn't get this right and I paid the price. I mean, I don't know, but this is where all the edges in these types of contests, not yeah. just MMA, small fee, small selection format types of contests,
2: yeah. anything you, where you can be duped a lot, you gotta focus on it, and you just gotta focus on it.
1: Okay, and we talk about this. We talk about a bunch of this, not not in detail, detail, but enough. In the theory of daily fantasy sports, it's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. But James, uh, coming soon. We're coming out. We're coming out with the uh, with the with the sequel, and people may be going like, well, how. How could, like, they're looking at what I was just looking at and going, well, how do, how do I, like, get to see what the dupes are in a contest and anything like that? Is the, maybe maybe we can include something, some Excel tools. I think we will. I think
2: we will. Yeah, that's uh, something that might be pretty valuable, pretty good value proposition. I think uh, the time that it takes to build these things, maybe you can't build them yourself. I totally understand that. I think some of these things are pretty difficult to build, like the, the tool that Jordan was just using to, to show his dupes, that uh that website where uh you can see all the CSV stuff. Wouldn't it be cool if you had that yourself? Maybe you will.
1: And Maybe. I and I do kind of had that myself, but I'd set up you, you whatever you make for these tools is gonna to be so much better than what I did. Yeah, well <laughs> I have to do everything manually all the time. Like I'm I'm nothing's automatic. That the people are asking me questions, they're going. Well, you simulate the results. It's like, dude, it's going to take me five hours to set this up. They go, how do you, what do you mean it takes five? You don't save what you have. It's like, like not really. Cause I have to line up all the columns. I have to line, I have to line everything up and change. And I'm man, I'm putting, I'm typing in people's names and numbers in. I mean, I got to I'm not pulling stuff like, and people are like, well, can you run this? It's like, no, it's, this is something that, that I do every like month or two. Right. Yeah. I'm going, okay, let me, let me take a look and see. If I'm on, okay, if I run this, if I run that, and, and then most of the time, James, most of the time I got everything set up in about an hour or so, which is still absurdly too long. Uh, <laughs> and it always, it, it, I don't think I've ever I've ever calculated anything correctly in the first several shots. <laughs> <laughs> several, where where I run it and, and the numbers that come out just don't make any sense. Like, they're just like, okay, this, this lineup has an ROI of, of, of it's giving me the scientific notations, right? (laughs) Right. It's giving me that this lineup obviously has a, has, as a, as a a profitability past, like the entire world, world's wealth that is like, okay, this is obviously being calculated wrong. And then sometimes I get the other end of the spectrum where it's like, oh, every, every lineup show by doing, by, by the contest has more has has lost more money than the contest has <laughs> like like it's, it's like okay if you run all these li- if all these lineups were in the contest they'd all lose uh they'd all lose about three million dollars it's like but the contest doesn't have three million dollars in liquidity how is that possible <laughs> then i find out that there's some kind of some some parentheses in the wrong spot or some decimal in the wrong place and this is why this is why you're gonna build some simple tools for some of these things yeah so even i personally could have something because like th- this website that i use is just like like it costs a couple of bucks a month it's like this is easier than me doing it so i'm just i'm just gonna use this yeah yeah right and i know it's gonna be I, and i know it's gonna be correct
0: yep,
1: yep. but dirt dfs.com paydirt underscore dfs uh you have tools and stuff there you 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 have uh You, you, you create stuff for for your site, right?
2: I I do indeed create stuff for my site. I've done a lot of work on the, uh, on the look and the SEO for the site over the last week. And it's really improved, um, a lot of things in terms of like my viewership and and everything like that. So that's been awesome. Um, I added MMA model, uh, for this last weekend, I'm going to be adding PGA showdown coming up on this next weekend as well. And, um, Yeah, if you uh, if you're into baseball, I post a true average report every day that is free and has been very strong. So um, that's my site. And you can obviously follow me at Pater underscore DFS on Twitter if you want to be annoyed by me marketing my site a lot.
1: Right. There you go. Powerful projections, dedicated coaching, Pater community. You have you have the call to action buttons.
2: I do. With benefit driven, joint paid, you're on, okay, you're doing better. It's so much better, dude. I put so much work into it. After like you just roasted me on live. <laughs> okay, I was like, I cannot continue to let him do that to me. So I, right. yeah, but,
1: but, but it makes well, sense. I mean, you could you could do more, but at least you're accomplishing like what it is that you do. You know, you're not putting any extraneous crap on it.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and that's, that doesn't
1: that doesn't accomplish anything.
2: Yeah, that was a big thing, and and. Thank you for for your free consulting on uh, on putting that together.
1: But it, it doesn't it doesn't take much for me to shit on something. <laughs> I do that I do that for nothing.
2: Yeah, you do it for fun. So yeah, I, I fun.
1: right. Okay, so follow James at Pater underscore DFS. Follow me on Twitter at Blender HD. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. No one can go live. We got Grinders live later today. Going over the ten game MLB slate. Roth and the guys will be on crunch time which is free presented by FanDuel every night and that's uh, that, that weather updates I think that, that there may be a weather game or two uh, on the schedule tonight and uh, and I'll be back tomorrow I'll probably be playing on FanDuel tonight but we'll be, be going over reviewing tonight's slate on tomorrow's show and talking about DFS strategy answering your questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com <laughs>